time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life. My name is Amy, and my husband is Dan Perkins. And we are both on staff here with Desperation. And I am actually from Texas. Is anybody from Texas in here? Holla. Um, so I moved out here about seven years ago, just hungry for God and wanting to know more of him. Hello, ladies. <laughs> um, so we are just going to dive in this morning. Jesus, I invite you here to make yourself known. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are sent to reveal Jesus to us. And so, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would soften every heart to receive revelation of who you are. God, I ask, Lord, that you would um, just open up our ears to hear from you. I ask for a spirit of wisdom and revelation to go forth. God, that our hearts would be expanded in love for you. Jesus, and so I ask that you would use, use me this morning to communicate your heart, that I would just be your vessel, that I would just be your instrument to reveal who you are and your love for each and every individual in this room. So God, I ask that you would come in power. I ask, Lord, for freedom in this session. I ask that you would escort us into your presence and that we would be set on a different path this morning. Jesus, that you would mark us with your presence, that you would mark us with your grace and with your power to press into the deep things. God, and so I ask this morning that this would be the beginning of an adventure for every single individual in this room to discover who you are. Jesus, so we welcome you. Would you have your way? Amen. All right, well, if there's anything you're going to get from this session is that I am passionately in love with Jesus. And my mission is that I would know him and make him known. And so if anything this morning, I hope that your heart would be softened to the revelation that there is a real man sitting on a real throne who is chasing after each and every one of you. And that if we can get this revelation, get this picture and this image accurate, you will be marked, you will be changed, you will be set on a different path for the rest of your life. And you will change history. I believe it. And I know that this is primarily a girl session with my two fellas in the middle here. <laughs> but let me tell you, if our generation of young women would rise up in the knowledge of God and discovering his passionate pursuit of them and would discover how he sees you, how he feels about you, wow, is God going to change a generation through us? And so I want to call forth that woman and you or that man and you this morning that we would go on a journey and an adventure of discovering him. And so I just want to start this morning by just telling you a little bit about my story. Um, I grew up in church, but I grew up in a charismatic church, so I'm sorry, but I didn't really grow up with much Bible. And I'm a theology major now, um, but I am still 
discovering the scriptures and discovering, okay, what's, remind me, what's the difference between Joshua and Jacob? Okay, right, like I get them mixed up sometimes. And so recently the Lord has been taking me just on this journey of just discovering him through the word like never before. Where before it was just this big intimidating book that I would open up and I would get lost and I would, I didn't see the big picture, you know, like, David talking about Jonah last night in the whale. What? What, what does that have to do with anything? <laughs> and, and because I didn't see the big picture. And so I began to ask God, Lord, I want to see the story that I'm a part of. God, I know that there's more to my life than just the little things that I see. But God, I'm a part of a bigger, bigger story in history that you've invited me to be a part of. And so, God, I want to understand it. So I, you have to, in order to understand the, the, the future and the present, we got to understand the past. And so what I began is I began to study in Isaiah, and, which is awesome. You guys should study that book. Um, but what it did is it began to take me all over the Old Testament and extracting the story that I'm a part of. And so something that one of my friends recommended was like, Amy, why don't you get like a kid's Bible? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and so actually a few years ago, Dan realized, Dan, my husband, realized that I didn't know much of the stories in the Bible. And so for Christmas, he actually got me a few, like, storybook kids' Bibles. <laughs> I was like, thanks, babe. Um, and uh, so anyway, so I picked those back up. And then one of my friends recommended this book. It's called The Jesus Storybook Bible. And it is incredible. So I'm going to read a little bit to you. So we're going to have we're going to have story time with Amy this session. Okay, are you ready? It has pictures. Yes. Okay. It says God wrote, "I love you." He wrote it in the sky and on the earth and under the sea. He wrote his message everywhere. Because God created everything in his world to reflect him like a mirror, to show us what he is like, to help us know him, to make our hearts sing. And God put it into words, too, and wrote it in a book called the Bible. This is good so far, right? <laughs> it says, now some people think the Bible is a book of rules telling you what you should and shouldn't do. The Bible certainly does have some rules in it that show you how life works best. But the Bible isn't mainly about you and what you should be doing. It's about God and what he has done. No, the Bible isn't a book of rules or a book of heroes. The Bible is most of all a story. It's an adventure story about a young hero who comes from a far country to win back his lost treasure. It's a love story about a brave prince who leaves his palace, his throne, everything to rescue the ones he loves. It's like the most wonderful of fairy tales that has come true in real life. So what I want to highlight in that is that there is a bigger story that we are a part of that we have to discover and that we have to get, go on an adventure discovering. But I think too many times... We've defined Christianity as just a religion. We've defined it as a set of beliefs that we follow. 
we see the Bible as a big rule book rather than the story of a hero and a prince who has come to redeem and rescue his people. Did you know that the reason you were created? If I was going around the room and ask you, why were you created? All of you would have different, different things to say. But let me tell you the number one thing you were created for and it is love. The number one thing you were created for is love. And when we can go on an adventure of discovering that love story that we've been invited into, you become untouchable. So I want to describe to you what untouchable means. It's not caring what people think about you. Because how many times do we live in caring what everyone else thinks? What everyone else says is cool. It's not living according to man's expectations of you. It's not performing. It's not wearing a mask. It's not faking it, trying to convince yourself that you're someone that you're not. But it's living according, it's living according to what he says about you. It's not living according to pleasing everyone else. And here's, here's I think, a whole crucial part of discovering this story, discovering this love that makes you untouchable, unhindered to this world, is that you do everything with a heart of worship. Because I think that when we're living too consumed with this narrow little picture, that we're really living in an idolatry because everything is receiving your worship but God. Everything else is receiving worship but him. And see, I think that we haven't truly encountered the love of God when we haven't experienced it, encountered it. We're weak, we're insecure, we're fearful, we're intimidated, we're performers, we're legalists, we're judgmental, we compare, we're insecure. I think this is a hard image but I think too many of us are just puppets. How many of you are really walking in the identity and the person that God has created you to be? Or are you living according to everyone else's standards and expectations? But I want to paint a picture for you today of how we can break out of that, break out of that bondage, break out of that comparison, that judgment, that insecurity, that idolatry, and truly become women of integrity and beauty and worship and love. So here's the key. You want to live untouchable? You want to understand the big picture? Let's read Ephesians 3.17. This is one of my favorite verses that I would encourage every single one of you, if you leave this conference with one verse, taking it's Ephesians 3.17, and it says, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love, not to hear about it, but to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Here's what I want to encourage you to do to take out that word know, to know the love of God. So if any of you have your Bibles and you write in it, which I encourage you to, I want you to write experience above the word know. So to experience the love of God, to encounter the love of God. 
here's what I want you to picture. You guys want to shut your eyes really, really fast. There is, I want you to picture a real man sitting on a real throne who is making intercession for you at this moment. I want you to open up your eyes. Okay, here, can you stand up? You want to, or if you want to be my example, great. Okay. The, what's your name? Kayana. Kayana. Where are you from? Montana. Montana. Sweet. Okay. Kayana from Montana. That kind of rhymes. Okay. See how tangible she is? Like, she's, like, real. Great. <laughs> she's not this, like, mystical being. Okay? Here's the reason I'm telling you this. Because you're like, okay, great. Duh. Jesus is this real right now. He has arms. He has hairs on his arms. He's got hair. He's got a real body, a real flesh. And the, Okay, you can sit down. Thank you, Kayla. But here's, because here's the thing. It says it in the scriptures. He came. He put on humanity. He put on flesh. And even when he rose again, he said, Thomas, put your hand right here. See, it is me. I am alive. And he is alive right now and wants to have a real relationship with you. And he's coming back. He's coming back for you. And here's the thing. We've got to get this picture that he is a real person sitting on a real throne who's coming back to establish his kingdom with you and for you and for the nations. And that's the big picture. That's the big story. And when you can live, when you can discover that for yourself, and when you can encounter the love of God with this real man, that he has a real flesh, but he has a real heart, he has real feelings, he has real emotions, and that he wants us to feel what he feels when he looks at us. He wants us. So to encounter the love of God means to feel what he feels. To encounter the, the heartbeats that he has, the emotions he has, the thoughts that he has. And when it talks about to discover this love, to be rooted in it, established in it, that we would grasp the width of it. As I was just praying about praying through this and saying, God, I want to encounter this. I want to experience this. What is it? The width, the height, the length, the depth, what is that? And so I just, I just felt like the Lord just showed me. He was like, Amy, the heights of my love, it's like the blissful moments. You know those moments when you're just like captivated? You're just kind of in awe. You're just this bliss. There are heights to his love where you encounter Encounter that bliss. Encounter that. The width of it. I just think it's eternally wide that it covers everything. It covers all of my sin. It covers all of my shame. It covers all of my mistakes. The length of thinking about encountering the length of his love that it is faithful. It is enduring. It is patient. It is for ever. And the depth of it, encountering the deep mystery. That's unsearchable. It's unquenchable. It's unfathomable. And I don't want to just use these words as beautiful poetry, but he used these words. He gave us this language saying, come on, 
I want you to encounter this love. I want you to experience the reality of this. And when you live, when you live in that experience, you're untouchable. You don't care what people think about you. You don't care whether you're in the mud hut in Mexico or in the White House. You don't, you don't, you don't care whether you made the basketball team or your last chair in band because <laughs> you're pretty bad. <laughs> you don't care because you're caught up, you're caught up in him. So here's the vision I just want to paint is that, you know, Matthew 22, it's the first commandment, and he says, to love the Lord God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So you want to highlight to love God with your heart means to love him with your emotions. He wants you to love him. He wants you to love him with your feelings, with your emotions, because he does. He does. Our inheritance is to feel. Our spirit craves this reality. And I think that Christianity has become too much at the head level and not at the heart level. We have to fight that the knowledge and how, how numb your heart is that when I say God loves you, does that stir any emotion in you? Or have you been told that? You know that here, but do you feel it here? Jesus, even as I'm standing right here, you're with me. You love me. You delight in me, in me right now. We gotta fight, God. Would it not be a words that we have or knowledge that we've acquired, but would it be an experience that we live in? We live in. Okay, so the theme of this weekend is no compromise. I don't know if you guys knew that or not. <laughs> but I think that this revelation of the Lord's love, this encountering his presence, I think that too many of us assume. It's for the lucky. It's for those who've earned it. They prove themselves. It's for the beautiful. It's for the, we name all the other people that it's for and why we don't deserve it. And we've established this idea. I think the enemy has established this idea that you're not good enough. You're not good enough. You fail. You sin. You're weak. Do you know what you, you, know what you did last night? deserve it. It's the lies of the enemy. He feeds us all day long. And here's the, the key, though. It's a wrong view of holiness. And here's the lie that I want to confront today, that you have to earn the love of God through your holiness. No, no. You know what the scriptures say, Song of Solomon 1? It says, you are dark, yet you are lovely to me. And what that means is that in your weakness, in the moments when you, are, when you fail, when you sin, when you trip up, when you mess up, he says, no, your attentions I love, your heart I love. You're not a hypocrite. You love me, but you're weak. You're not a liar. You love me, but you're weak. And so this morning, I want to tell you that we've got to get the revelation. Jesus, it's not because I've earned it. It's not because I've done something that I can, that I can encounter your love. No, Jesus, I'm dark, but you delight in me. I'm weak, but you still love me and you call me. And so instead of when we mess up, our tendency is I need to run from the presence of God. And the presence of God is over there. I need to run over here and I need to figure it out. I need to 
beat my body into submission. We're going to get this thing. And then we try to figure it out in our own logic because we think that God is disappointed in us and we're disappointed in us. Did I fail again? Really? God, I repented last night at the altar that I wasn't going to do this. And this morning I was doing it again. So we run from the presence of God and we try to figure it out. But here's the thing. We won't find the grace of God here. We won't find the love of God over here. But here's what we need to understand. He didn't banish us over here. He didn't say, you need to go over there and figure it out, and then you can come back. (laughs) No, he's over here saying, come back to me. I love you. It's not because you earned it. It's my blood that covers you. And in my presence, I want to give you grace and strength and power to walk out of it. But we have to run to the presence of God to get that. We're not going to get it over there. Hebrews 4.16 is one of my, I think that's Hebrews 4.16. Let me make sure I'm getting this right. (laughs) Um, Sorry, I'm just kind of lost in my notes for a second. Yes, Hebrews 4.16. This is one of my most favorite verses in a time when I was just feeling so beat down that, Jesus, I know my love for you is real. Why am I struggling with this? Why am I struggling with this lust in my heart that wants things, that wants, that wants promotion, that covets everything that everyone else has? And this verse was just like manna from heaven. It's like an arrow that stroked my heart. And he says, this is the answer. So let's read this verse. It says, let us approach the throne of grace with confidence that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So here's what I begin to do. I begin to meditate on that verse. And what it means to meditate is, it's like I would close my eyes and I I would just pray the verse and I would just picture it. Picture it like a movie screen in my mind. Okay, God, I'm going to picture myself not running over here and feeling banished. I'm going to picture myself in my weakness, crawling to your throne, saying, God, I approach your throne of grace, that there's a throne of grace I'm approaching, that you're sitting on right now, and you want me to approach it confidently. Not in my own, not in my own perfection, but in the blood of Jesus that covers me and makes me holy and makes me righteous. And Jesus, I approach your throne of grace asking, begging, God, help me walk out of my sin. Help me be free. Help me, Jesus. And him saying, I give you my power from my throne. I give you my strength. I give you my grace to walk out of it. And me receiving it and saying, okay, God, not me locking my knees and girding my teeth. I'm going to work through this. No, Jesus, you want, you come down and you say, Amy, I want to help you. I want to give you my strength. So there's two definitions of grace. One is unmerited favor, which is like mercy. So I think too many of us get grace and mercy mixed up. <laughs> and yes, so there is an element of grace that is mercy, but there's an element of it that's enabling power. Okay, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available for you. And he says, I want to give you that enabling. I want to give you that power. I want to give you that strength. It's not yours, it's mine. And it's available for every single one of you. So in the moment when I'm weak, I remember, Jesus, you love me. 
you delight in me, I run to your throne. God, give me grace to walk out of my sin. And so I leave confident with my head held high saying, Jesus, you love me and I got your back. You got my back. (laughs) But here's the thing. The only way that you can do that exercise, not run over here, but run to the throne of Jesus, is if you've encountered the love of God. And that when we encounter the love of God, that process gets quicker. So I fail, I mess up, I run over here, but then we remember, God, you love me, you delight in me, I'm successful. Okay, I run back to your throne. (laughs) And when you encounter the love of God here, time and time again, that process becomes a whole lot quicker and never. (laughs) When I mess up, shame from the enemy, condemnation from the enemy, I know it's a lie from the pit of hell. And I don't receive it. I say, no. <laughs> I say, I'm, I'm not going to live. No, Jesus, I know you love me because I've encountered it. And so I run to your throne saying, Jesus, give me strength again today. So we've got to have a right view of holiness, though. Holiness does play a part. Do you know that the whole issue of Jesus coming of humanity, of the fall, is holiness? That's the issue. And so there's so much confusion around this holiness definition because, yes, we want to live in the grace of God, that when we mess up, he picks us back up. But here's the thing. When you encounter the love of God, holiness becomes the byproduct, not because you've earned the love of God. Encountering the love of God is the fruit of it. Because here's what happens. He cares. He cares. You know, he's perfect. He's holy. He wants us to be like him. Not because he's like, hey, you need to be like me because I'm awesome. I mean, yeah, he is like that. But <laughs> but he's like, no. Because, you know, as you're like someone, you get closer to them. So as we're like him, it's a closer in proximity. But he says, you understand me. You know me. You're like me. I can share the secrets with with my heart to you. I can trust you. And so it's it's not an earning thing. It's a, Jesus, I love you, and I want to be like you because I want to know you more. And so, so it becomes, Jesus, I love you, and so the way that I love you is when I obey you and when I look like you. And so that becomes the motive and the hatred for sin, not because we have to earn it. And so holiness is the byproduct of encounter. And so some of you who are wrestling with your sin, who are wrestling with things that the enemy has had you bound for so long, here's what I want to encourage you to do. You know, when you say pink elephant, everyone thinks pink elephant. Okay, it's like, you know, your sin is like a big red button. And you're like, don't touch the red button. Don't touch the red button. But all you can think about is the red button. (laughs) And so... Here's what we have to do. We have to say, okay, I'm not going to hit the red button because I'm going to come over here. I'm going to hit the blue button. Okay, so the blue button is encountering the love of God and saying, Jesus, I'm going to fight to encounter you. I'm going to wait here and I'm going to say, Jesus, I want to know your love. Would you show me? Would you encounter me? God, and in that, Jesus, I'll find grace that will help me get out of that. Okay, so no more red buttons. Blue buttons, okay? Okay. So here's what happens when we experience the love of God. 
This empowers us to run to him in our weakness. So how do we encounter the love of God? How do we experience this? How do we position ourselves? Once again, I said, it's not for the, it's not for the lucky. Here's the other lie that's created so much passivism in our generation. God is just one day going to miraculously like strike down his love from heaven when I'm like randomly somewhere and then, and then I'll start following him with my whole life. We kind of like wait for these like moments. No, 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 no. Yes, there are those moments, but we can't wait for them. We have to pursue them. We have to position ourselves to receive them. Not in passivity say, well, God, if you're going to do it, then you're going to do it, but I'm not going to do anything. You, you know, we have that mentality. So I know that I'm kind of making fun of that and mocking that. But in every single one of us is that lie. Is that passiveness? Is that, well, it's just a lie from the enemy. Okay, so this experience has to be sought for. So how do we experience it? Okay, I have this horrible example, but some, from someone I heard, and no one's come up with a better one, and so this is what I'm going to use. Okay, here's what I want you to picture. Can you guys know, like, frozen hamburger meat? Great. It's hard. You know, you stick it in the freezer. Okay, so here's what I want you to picture. All of our hearts are like this frozen hamburger meat, okay? And our tendency is hardness of heart. Our tendency is numbness. Our tendency is, especially as we get older, they say passionate people. Oh, that's just the young people. Ugh. Would we be a generation that says, no, I'm going to be passionate for Jesus. My passion is going to grow even more all the days of my life. And let me tell you, I am a testimony of that. I'm only 25, but listen, my passion for him is growing more and more and more because he's becoming more and more alive to me, and my love just grows more. But we have to fight. We have to fight to not be the cold hamburger meat, okay? So our hearts are like cold hamburger meat. And then I want you to picture over here is this huge bonfire. I mean, just raging and soaring and just huge. And what I just want you to imagine is that's the love of God. Passionate. Consuming. And here's what we have to do. We have to take our cold hamburger hearts. And all we have to do, we don't blow on them you know, to melt them, to thaw them. No, all we have to do is position it. Place it before the bonfire of his love. And that free heat, you didn't earn that heat. <laughs> it's free. It's hot. It starts to melt it and soften it. So here's the thing. It's about positioning, not earning. So some of you are like, okay, well, if I'll do this better, I'll do this better, then God's going to encounter me. No, 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 no. If you will start positioning yourself to receive his love, <laughs> That's when your healing will come. That's when your deliverance will come. That's when your freedom will come. Okay, so we have to position ourselves. And the amount of time, here's a crucial part. The amount of time we have before God is dynamically related to your heart moving. Is, the, is dynamically related to your heart, cold hamburger meat heart softening. Okay, so time, how, much, how many times you bring it before him, is dynamically related to that encounter, to that softening. So it's not an issue of grace that suddenly falls on you and your spirit comes alive, but it's for those who will walk in faith and wisdom. 
So I want to talk about faith and wisdom really quick. It takes faith. It takes boldness. It takes courage to say, God, my heart is so hard. My heart is so numb. And, and that crazy lady said, I just have to put it before this bonfire. <laughs> and that something's going to happen. So it takes faith. It takes faith to take the time to position your heart to do it. And it takes wisdom. It takes, okay, I'm going to trust. I'm going to trust that what you say is true, that what your word says is true. So I'm going to position myself there. So it's not just, you're not going to feel it. It takes time, you know? Like, it takes time for that hamburger meat to thaw, to be able to, like, mold it in hamburger patties, you know? It takes time. And so some of your hearts, depending on their condition, it's going to take time you putting it there and letting it soften and thaw. But then it'll become moldable and beautiful and alive again. Alive in love. Alive in encounter. Okay, so how do we do it? Practicals. Three things. I'm going to wrap up here. So the first one, as I just mentioned, is time. We can't get too busy for God. And we have to, in wisdom and in faith, downsize our extracurricular activities, hanging out with all of our friends all the time, that we don't have time for him. Some of you are like, man, why is my heart cold? Well, you don't spend time with him. <laughs> um, so time, we have to downsize. Downsize. Listen, the fullness of your destiny, the fullness of you walking in the calling that God has for your life is related to this. <laughs> You want to walk in everything God has for you? You have to live in the love of God. You have to know him. You have to acquire that oil. You have to be with him. Our fullness, the destiny of what we were created for was to encounter this love. So we want to walk in the fullness of everything that we're called to. We've got to walk in the fullness of his love. So we've got to downsize if we're too busy. Number two, prayer, fasting, and the word. Okay. For some of you, I know that hearing this, and you're going to hear a lot about this this weekend, prayer, fasting, spending time with Jesus, all of this kind of stuff. Um, you're just, you're kind of like immobilized because you're like, I don't know where to start. Okay, let me give you a bunch of ideas. Pick one, and it's a great start. Okay, some of you, you don't, you don't know the story like me. So some of you need to go buy one of these. I didn't bring my Bible. I brought this today. <laughs> and so some of you need to go because you don't know the story. You know, like you open the scriptures and you're like, what is going on in Deuteronomy? You know, Leviticus, the law, what? And so some of you, you need to get caught up in the big story. And so I recommend go buy a kid's Bible. So this one is awesome. It's called the Jesus Storybook Bible. And what it does is it's painting the story of Jesus through each and every book. And so it helps me see, okay, Jesus, right, this whole thing is about you, so you're everywhere. This whole thing points to you. So some of you need to go get a storybook Bible. All right. Number two, some of you just need to start reading. You know, sometimes we need, we need to read, read to just get information, to get through it, to get the big idea, to get the big story. And then there are times we need to, we need to stop and meditate on one scripture for an hour. Okay, so some of you just need to start reading. So start from the beginning, Start in Genesis and commit. Okay, I'm going to read this many chapters a day. Do it. Do it. Have someone hold you accountable to do it. Um, some of you, 
You've really never read your Bible ever. So start in the book of John. It's one of the Gospels. And showing you the story of salvation and redemption and Jesus and him alive and real. Okay, here's the last one in Bible reading. Actually, no, I have multiples. One of them. Okay, if some of you, you need to start getting content. And so I know that if you read 10 chapters a day, I know that sounds like a lot. Some of you, God is calling. He's calling and he wants to give you the grace and the strength. He's saying, come after me. Come after me. Devote a season to me. Because your heart isn't alive in the word yet. And it's meant to be the bread of life. It's meant to be manna from heaven. So, so if you read 10 chapters a day, six days a week, you'll be able to read the New Testament in a month. So some of you need to commit to that. And I want to call you to a high vision. I believe God wants to use you. I don't want to set the bar here. No, I'm setting the bar here because I believe a generation is waiting to be called to it. So I'm calling you to it, okay? So some of you need to devote. Okay, I'm going to give an hour every day to reading my Bible. I'm going to read 10 chapters a day. Okay, prayer. Some of you, all of you, need to develop a prayer list. And what you need to do is you need to develop, set aside a time that you're going to pray. You'll hit it about 70% of the time if you actually set it. Then if you never say, set it, then you're never going to pray. <laughs> so you need to set aside a time in your day. God, I'm going to go in my room. Or I'm going to go, you know, my church is, has a prayer room. You know, I'm going to go and I'm going to commit. And I'm going to go there every day. I'm going to spend 30 minutes or an hour. And here's the things that will help you. Set a time and get a list. So I have a list every day of things that I pray for. I pray for my own heart. I pray for my, I pray for my husband. I pray for my family. And I pray for my ministry. So you need to make a list. Make a list of the things that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to petition your throne, Jesus, every day. Okay, so then, in combining the word and the scriptures, here's, here's what will make it come alive. All right, you ready for the secret? It's not really a secret to some of my friends, but sing it. Sing the scriptures. Take a verse. Take this verse, Ephesians, and just start singing it. Jesus, your love is like height and width, and I want to know your love, and it is so good. I want to encounter it, and just, and just sing it, and what it'll do, because you know the power of music? Like, you know, you picture country music, like, think about country music. Immediately, I kind of want to, like, bounce, you know? I don't know. You know, like, I know I don't really like country music. I, this, this is what came to my mind. Um, you know, like, you think of hip-hop music, you know, like, and it, it, it automatically conjures an emotion and a feeling. And so what will happen if we started singing the scriptures? They'll start striking your heart in a new way. Especially for those of you who've grown up in church and you're like, I read my Bible. You know, but, it, but it's become kind of boring. It's, your heart's become numb to it. Start singing it and you'll come alive. Okay, number three, fasting. My heart has grown exponentially faster through fasting. Yes. It is a gift, guys. And once again, I'm not setting the bar here. I'm setting the bar here. God is calling a generation to fast multiple days a week. He's calling a generation to fast, to do multiple extended fasts in a year. Because here's what happens. I want you to imagine your heart is like this big target. And when we fast, it's like that target expands. It's like supernatural. It's weird, but it's the way of the kingdom. And when we go without food, he says, you willingly gave something that was legitimately okay. <laughs> you know, like you sacrificed food, sweets, your time, 
whatever it was in our heart begins to expand. And so some of you, God is calling you. God is calling you to fasting. So I want to encourage you, do it. Some great books out there. One is written by my sister, Dana Candler. Um, it's called The Rewards of Fasting. It's an incredible book on just giving you the practicals and the how-tos. You can even just Google it. Okay, what, God, you know, just, just Google things to fast, how to fast, you know, health fasting. <laughs> um, just, in, just in the how-tos. Um, but here's what I want to, I just want to cast the vision of, it's like a key that God has given us to unlock the spiritual realm that he says is yours. We'll take it. Okay, so prayer, the word, and fasting. Okay, so the last one is I want to encourage you, the practicals in experiencing his love, is to fight for your mind. Fight for your mind. Abiding in love means filling your mind. Then God will change your heart. So we have to ask the Holy Spirit. And here's the thing. If you will ask him, he'll show you. We have to ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, would you convict me? Would you show me when I'm believing lies of the enemy, when there's passivity in my heart, when there's lethargy in my heart, God, and would you confront the lies of the enemy that tell me I have to be good enough to earn your love? And we have to fight that truth would be in our mind that would propel us to walking in prayer, fasting the word, and running to him and encountering him. So to fight for our mind. And here's the thing. Nothing is going to resist you more. Nothing's going to resist you more. The enemy doesn't want you encountering the love of God. He doesn't want you to get this. He wants you to hear all these great things at this seminar today and be like, oh, that was a good idea and do nothing with it. Ladies, ladies, let me call you. Let me call you. Let's fight to be a generation that says, no, God, I'm going to live in desperate pursuit of you. I'm not going to believe the lies of the enemy. I'm going to believe truth and I'm going to be a woman of givenness. Wow, if a generation of women would rise up in full surrender and givenness, that from their hunger, from their thirst, from their passion, say, God, I'm going to give you everything I have. And so, Jesus, I'm going to give myself to the word. I'm going to give myself to fasting. I'm going to give myself to prayer, even when I don't feel it, even when there's no emotion and my heart is so cold. But, God, in wisdom and in faith, I'm going to position myself. I'm going to take the time. I'm going to set aside those legitimate things, but I'm going to spend my time before you knowing this is when I come alive. This is when I walk in my full identity. This is when I live untouchable. This is when I get the big vision. This is when I walk in the fullness of my destiny is over here in front of the bonfire of your love. And then I'm untouchable because no one's got nothing on me. So let's be that. Okay. Let's be that. And I'm going to pray. God, I ask that you would set these women free from caring about every, everything, everyone that has an opinion about them. Jesus, I ask that they would only care about the opinion that you have for them.
Jesus, I ask that you would take them on a journey of discovering the love of God and of encountering it. Jesus, I ask that you would captivate them with the big story, the big adventure that they're a part of. Jesus, and I pray that you would release your grace, your enabling power over them right now in this moment to fight the lies of the enemy that wants them to live in shame. But Father, I break off shame. I break off condemnation in the name of Jesus. And I ask that you would empower every single woman in this room to run to your throne of grace and that you would give them your strength from your throne today. God, and I ask that you would take them on an adventure of discovering your love. I pray that even now you begin to download from heaven the the books of the Bible you want them to read, the studies that you want them to go on. I pray that even now you'd begin to show them What are the things that they need to lay aside to encounter your love? Because they need to give their time to it. I pray that even now you'd begin to tell them the things that they can fast on a regular basis. Jesus, and I ask that you would mark these women. Mark them to be women of integrity and beauty and holiness. And that they would be women of influence and leadership and passion for Jesus that they would live in passionate pursuit of you all the days of their life, that they would never be content. God, that they would never be content, Jesus. Mark them with hunger. Mark them with thirst. Protect them. Fight for them. You're pursuing them. Show them your pursuit, God. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. And over time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. They've got a vision and a mission for their life.